but we actually started with the fitter measured my arms. Dave, if they put you on a scale, I'd be somewhat concerned. They put me on a scale? Why, why, <laughs> wait a minute. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode number 87 of No Putts Given. I'm Miranda, and I've got Tony, Chris, Harry, and also Dave Wolf, a longtime My Golf Spy writer. Dave, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've been trying to get you on for a while, and you keep avoiding us. So we finally, Dodge. we finally got it. It's early on the West Coast, so he has to wash his hair. Get that cream on that beard. Are you in your garage right now? I am. It's my place where I can hide in the house when the rest of the family is still asleep. <laughs> All right, cool stuff. Well, I want to jump right into it since we've got you this week, Dave. You've got an update for us. You're our putter expert, and uh, you have the new Cobra 3D putter line in hand, right? I was able to see it at a shop this week. So this one that I hadn't been able to roll previously, and so it was interesting to really get my fingers into it to look at how the, the 3D printing was used. And I think what was surprising for me was the sheer size, that they were much, much larger than I anticipated. And that's not something necessarily new, that there's been large-headed putters out there for quite a while, thinking the, the Doc 12 comes to mind as the, the large <laughs> old ping. The satellite antenna. Yeah. And whatever Brian Harmon uses. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things that, um, and I believe this with any putters, that you're going to have people who will gravitate towards them because of the large size, other people who are still living in the land of bullseye who will be offended that they even exist. And it may be something that the next incarnation gets tweaked a little bit. I understand the size thing that you want to maximize MOI by pushing all the metal to the edges and the 3D printing really helps with that. It's just that for me and my aesthetic, they were a little rough visually. Guys, we talked about the new vintage and 3D putter lines a couple of weeks ago on No Putts Given, and we got into whether or not the 3D printing is the future of not only putters, but maybe golf club design moving forward. Dave, what did you see from the 3D printing aspect of it? Well, there's nothing else that looks like them. And I think for sure, as far as manufacturing goes, it's amazing that they're able to incorporate that and switching from the printed metal to the printed nylon to save weight. I believe that everything that's going on there to manufacturing direction is innovative and, and fantastic. And this is going on 3D printing regardless before Cobra threw it out is the quick prototyping that can be done. Not dealing with Cobra, but talking to the folks at Odyssey about the design process. You'd be amazed at how many different prototypes just to fix the sound if you have different pieces of metal in different places on the head, they make different tones. And if you're basically a putter that yells at you, no one wants to buy that. So you have to make sure. Unless it's a driver. So yeah. 3D printing allows you to speed up the process. The issue comes that you know, you're, you're going to have some hits and you're going to have some misses. That's just the, the nature of any design. And I think the, the Cobra putters, Top of my head, I'm not remembering the model, but it's the big spidery one. The Ajera, is that? Yeah, it looks like it's a giant square of steel. But just, yeah, some couple of fins trailing. Yeah, it's like the Karopi. Is that the little silly frog? That <laughs> Whatever. Um, it was a little much visually. Dave, we know that people don't buy just off of looks. They buy off a of feel. How do they feel? Well, I, I felt their, uh, their putter beforehand, and I loved the way it feels. It was soft. 
um, rolled really true. You tested the one that was the fully 3D printed. Correct, head, not yeah. The, not the insert, so a little bit different. Yeah, slightly different, but still intrigued. I think they feel good. I think that's the piece. The only gripe I have is walking around the corral and just going, oh, damn, what's that? Well, first of all, it, it did grab my attention. Then I went over and grabbed it and started rolling balls right. it once I realized what it was. When you say they're big, give us like a reference. Like a, a normal putter is this big and this one is that big. Direct force, those spaceships. Yeah, it's uh-huh. it's like spider it, and a half, maybe. I was gonna say let, let me spider and a half. <laughs> let me let me put it to you this way, Dave. If you ordered a hamburger and the hamburger came out and it were the size of the putter, how excited or disappointed would you be? <laughs> well, it's it's kind of a Fuddruckers putter then. That there we go. <laughs> Fuddruckers is still <laughs> around. Fuddruckers reference. My goodness. <laughs> it's Daddy Longlegs side. That it's a huh. bigger head. And honestly, if you get a tape measure out and you measure it, it might be the exact same size as everything else. But that was the the overall initial impression was just like, damn, what is that? I agree. Like whether it is like if you put a tape measure on it, whether or not it measures as a huge footprint, it looks like a huge footprint. And then contrast that the PXG Blackbird, which I saw in pictures. I'm like, man, that thing looks like it's massive, really weird kind of oversized mallet. And then I got it in. Uh, for the Fujikura shaft testing we're going to be doing. And I'm like, huh, it's it's very, very small, or at least small looking compared to that Cobra. So, yeah. Yeah, that Blackbird is definitely much smaller than it looks in photos. And it is the other end of the spectrum. It's nice and compact, and it's got all the tungsten pushed to the edges to get rid of the need to have the overall head be be large. I think it's probably pretty intentional, right? I mean, Cobra knows what they're they're doing and, and to the point Dave where he said you know you got however many you know 20 30 40 100 putters in the putter corral at your at, at the store and you're walking around and you know you have to do enough to get noticed but not so much that people notice and go oh god you know the hell is that thing Dave if you had to take out your crystal ball and predict how it'll do in future most wanted testing what do you think I think they'll do well I think that design wise they have everything that they would need to perform well. The piece that is really, really good about it being so visually striking is that, like Chris is saying, folks are going to walk over and pick it up and they're going to roll it. And maybe if the reputation for these putters builds up, they could do a blackout version where it's not screaming, the top of this is metal, this helps with MOI. It could be much more subtle, but I think they'll do well. I don't see anything in them outside of someone putting it down and just going, oh, God, I can't even look at this. We, we talk about that all the time, right? We struggle with that in testing all the time. I mean, we we see products that perform well but look like crap. What's the correlation, right? Yeah, there, is, there isn't really any correlation anymore. Yeah. But, I mean, we, in testing last year, we had the sick putter uh, that did really well. They've got the Cobra and the sick um, face technology in, in them. So I don't see them not performing well in 2022. The only thing I'd add on that is that um, sitting behind me somewhere is the the ping catch. And when the catch came out, it did not look like anything else that ping had produced. It's true. It wasn't even included sort of in their official launch lines. It was thrown in at the end like they had done with the Sydney and some other putters. And when I was testing that, in the again, the way back when, People looked at it and they're like, oh, that's odd. What is, I don't know about that. And then all of a sudden it was making every single putt from five feet. 
it was the same thing that people really liked the blackout Newport two that we had like, Oh, this is a sexy looking putter. The one that made the most putts was that odd catch. So just, I feel like I want to back it up a little bit in, in giving Cobra grief for making these look so odd. At the same time, I applaud them for making them odd for doing something completely different because that's the only way we're going to end up with something new. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if these perform really well in the testing. All right, so we'll have to stay tuned. We've got a little while before putter testing starts <laughs> up again. <laughs> I hope. Six months. Yeah, yeah, six, eight months. A little while. Yeah, there you go. So on Friday, Dave, we've got your article on the Adele fitting that we sent you through. So I, I hope you can give our audience a little bit of a, a sneak peek and a preview because they do fitting a little differently, right? They do. It was very, very interesting that I had done an Adele fitting 2011, I believe was the first time. And the old fitting cart was amazing. It was this clamshell case that once you open it up, there were about conservatively 6 million putter pieces inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> there were heads, necks, and shafts. They actually had the uh, frequency filtered shaft mm -hmm. in there. And what was super fun about that fitting is the person who fit me was actually Tim Tucker. So Bryson's oh, right. caddy was an Adele fitter way back then. I'm sure he made way more money with Adele than he's making on tour now. So <laughs> regrets switching. But so we sat and went through the process and and I ultimately didn't even buy a putter that day because what I learned was the one I was currently using, which was a custom Byron Morgan at the time, I aimed correctly. Hmm. A couple of weeks ago now, I met with uh, one of their fitters, Kevin, at Contra Costa Country Club here. That's I have to throw fancy country club in because that's not my bag. <laughs> but shirt was tucked, wearing pants. It was very exciting for me. <laughs> to clarify, you mean not sweatpants too, right? Actually. Right. No, they might have had a pleat. I don't even know. It was crazy. <laughs> I've been pleat? away from work for a year and a half. I don't. Pants are very alien these days. <laughs> so the interesting thing about this fitting is once again, you know, Adele is huge on aim, and that was a big part of the fitting. But we actually started with the fitter measured my arms. Yeah. Huh. What's your wingspan? Would you be a good swimmer? So that I could almost understand because then you want to figure <laughs> out length of shaft. Forearm? Forearm versus upper arm is what he was yeah. measuring. Yeah, ratio. Liam Mucklow is huge on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's that? My yeah, pipes. The, <laughs> <laughs> the interesting piece was that so my arms, and this is something that in my entire life I've never measured, never knew, never thought I needed to know the difference between upper arm and lower arm. But mine are the same length, which I guess is fine. I, mine's looking very similar. I know, now you're all going to be. So the best this edition of No Putts Given, where we measure Dave's body parts. <laughs> Great, here we go. If you can lick go. your elbow, then you know that your upper arm is shorter. Yep. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you can lick your elbow. <laughs> if your arms are the same proportion like mine, what that means is that the butt of the putter should end up pointing at your torso and that you're going to putt best with a grip that's very neutral. What do you mean by a neutral grip? So what hands on both neutral... sides. Okay. So instead of being strong or, or... Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And should your arms be, say, your forearm is longer than your upper arm or your upper arm is longer than your forearm, it changes that fit. So now you might perform better with the putter that points more towards your shoulder line or mm -hmm. below your torso line and then weakening or strengthening your hands. The takeaway from this, and this is big that David Adele is into biomechanics and there's lots of research that backs up what they're doing here. 
if you have a putter that doesn't fit your arms, your chance of actually swinging that putter correctly drops off dramatically. But that's the theory behind it. Right. And I, mm. I has anyone heard this from any other putter fitting that they've gone through? Is or is this entirely unique to Adele? I haven't heard it with putter fitting, but as I said, Liam Mucklow, who uh you know, he coaches some tour pros, he's uh does a lot with fitting, part of the foresight team, uh developing their software products as well. So heavily entrenched in in all things in that fitting space. And for years he's been talking about that that same relationship as it relates to driver fitting and and figuring out yeah shafts and things like that. So yeah, this is not completely foreign to me by any stretch. First time I've heard about it in putter fitting, but it, it stands to reason yeah. that it would apply to every club in the bag, right? It it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, I've been through a couple of Dell fittings as uh, as well, and, and one as recently as this year. You hear a lot of different fitters. They they will take into account certain biomechanical realities of the person they're fitting. Now, I, I what I would say is different about Adele is that is like the foundation and, and and the blueprint for everything that they do. Like the first kind of part of the screening that you're doing when you're fitting isn't, hey, do you like the way this head looks? You know, this, this, and this. You know, it's like walking into a, more of a doctor's office. Like, okay, we got height, weight, wingspan, this length, that length, da-da-da-da-da. Dave, if they put you on a scale, I'd be somewhat concerned. They put me on a scale? Why? Why they, did they? What did they? <laughs> wait a minute. They're curious about how many tubs by ice cream tubs you've had. I think they were just taking bets, Chris. <laughs> they were just taking. They had a Clydesdale edition putter they were looking at and wanted to know if I could handle it. So, so what was next? I've done I don't even know a dozen ish putter fittings over the years, and uh, I mean I think everyone who plays golf understands how changing your grip changes the performance of the club. So that if you're looking at a stronger or a weaker grip and what that does. To think that your natural grip actually ties into the structure of your arm was mind-blowing for me. So that was pretty cool. It wasn't like Chris is saying that the start of your putter fitting is, which one do you like? Or what's the, I think even worse is you get stuck on a SAM lab immediately, and then the person looks at your swing path and is like, you have a terrible swing path. Oh, good. Thank Thanks. you. I brought that up. Do you fit for terrible swing paths? Like, <laughs> help me fix it. I think with any fitting, the, the best fitting analogy, club fitting or otherwise, comes from The Simpsons. And this, <laughs> this may be a little bit in the weeds as well. But do you remember the episode where Homer becomes an executive? Yes. And he has his personal assistant. Mm -hmm. And they go to fit him for a suit. And he's... <laughs> <laughs> sucking in his gut and trying to be as thin as possible. And uh, the assistant says something along the lines of stop that. That's not your job. It's his job to fix it and points at the tailor. Everyone in a putter fitting brings their belly. And it's not the job in a fitting to get rid of your belly. It's the job of the fitter to go, oh, look, they're counterbalanced already. This will be an excellent head that will help with their natural midline counterbalance. So that what I thought was very cool is the Adele fitting in no way was trying to force me into anything that it felt like an immediate assessment. I don't think at any point in the the fitting did Kevin ever look at my swing path or he probably did and he may have thought things, but he didn't share that, which I thought was helpful. Mm -hmm. And the whole process was we went through AIM and it's a really cool system with lasers. Wow, what, did, what did the lasers do? The see where I aim, right? Yeah, so they take a green laser sitting in a fake um, hole, and then they aim it back at a golf ball. So you then address the golf ball, 
and there's a mirror on the face of your putter. So okay. once you say, okay, I've got this aimed at the hole, they remove the golf ball, the laser hits the mirror, and then it bounces back at a little screen telling you where you were actually aimed. Interesting. For me, I thought, yep, I'm aimed right at, right at the hole. As soon as they moved the ball the first time, I was high into the right. Yeah. So I was aimed right, and I was manipulating loft to make it higher. So then with that same putter head, and this is the beauty of the, the EAS putters, is they've got these little inserts on the top, which visually, I'm going to say it, I don't know if I'm 100% on board with the look of the little square insert, but it allows them to very quickly interchange inserts for different alignment schemes. Kevin actually did it with a, a Sharpie and a template. And as you added lines, either on the top or on the bottom, what I saw for me was where that laser was pointing started to change. Till finally, once I had two lines on top, two lines on bottom, when you took the ball away, I was aiming at the cup just above it is where the laser was hitting. So my loft was good and my aim was where it should be. I need to get involved in this. This sounds really up my alley. I think what's interesting about it is it, 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 at one level, it's very complex, right? And and if you talk to David for half an hour, like, you know, you might feel like it's overly complex. Like I, I understood like maybe every third or fourth word he was saying, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, okay. <laughs> like he, you know, he's operating on Bryson wavelengths or whatever. And, but when you get down to the actual fitting premise of it, it's very, very, very simple. You basically have straight lines and you have curved lines and those do different things. And you have lines on top of the putter, like kind of the top line of the putter, or you have lines uh, or things, shapes in the cavity of the putter. So you're either trying to get the putter to move more left or more right. So it simplifies it for the golfer. However, there is a more complex reasoning behind it, but you as the golfer don't have to worry about it. I've always been suspicious of the aim thing, or as I've learned more, like it, it makes sense, right? You need to be pointed at the target, but we all know that it, it doesn't matter what club you have in your hand, just because you're pointed at the target at address does not mean you deliver that club pointed at the target. For some guys, it probably makes a huge difference, but I suspect it's one of those things that for others, um, pointing at the target either doesn't make a difference or could create some problems. So logically, yes, real world, definitely not for everybody. Well, and that's the, the piece of this fitting is as soon as we were done with AIM, we went over and worked on basically seeing if I could hit the hole and <laughs> set up at about six-ish feet and knowing that I could aim the putter accurately, we started rolling balls and I had the, you know, the best grouping of the day with putts that all ended up about a cup to the right. And I just could not, even knowing that I was aiming it correctly, deliver the, the putter head in a way that put the ball in the hole. So they started tweaking with the weights in the grip and changing, you know, be it uh, a weight in the butt of the club or sinking weights further down into the shaft. So the final build for me was I ended up with a, a 50 gram weight about where my right hand sits on the grip and then a 40 gram weight up in the butt end. And as soon as we hit that weight combination, you know, I'm, I'm not going to brag, but I made six footers. That's right. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> and I had the ability to aim it correctly and then actually swing it correctly. And in close, I will say that it's because I've, I don't know how many times I've played with it now, but it's amazing that I walk up to anything under 10 feet and it's a hundred percent assumption in my brain that it's going in. The only issue I'm having with it right now is things that are longer. My notoriously short miss comes in. <laughs> the most frustrating thing the other week was I think I missed five putts by combined 12 to 15 in inches. 
The guys I'm playing with are laughing as I'm leaving another putt two inches from the hole dead center of cup. The issue is likely practice, which is unfortunate because no one wants that issue. (laughs) But there is a little bit of adjustability in the bottom that I can swap out and put a 10 gram weight instead of the 15 that's in there right now. And that might give me just a little bit more of a Well, the interesting thing about putting is a lot of it is to do with confidence. If you find yourself with a confident putter and you're in around, you know, six foot like you are and you're thinking, this looks like a one footer now, that's huge. So for me, it's all about if I find a putter that I'm confident with, normally the the scores and the putts correlate. Where does the confidence come from? Like what generates confidence in a putter? Well, if I keep if I keep making putts, yeah, right? making exactly. Putts. So yeah. doesn't that go back to the the fitting and performance side of it? Like I can look down and be like, man, this you know this putter gives me an awful lot of confidence, and if I consistently miss three footers, four footers, five footers. I'm not going to be that kind. I mean, it may be a Circle T Cameron that looks amazing, $2,500 putter. But, you know, to me, it's the it's the results that determine the the confidence in it. And said, I mean, if it's, a, you know, a toaster on the end of a stick and it makes everything from 10 feet and in, all of a sudden I'm going to look down at toasters and go, oh, I'm pretty confident in toasters. You know, I think there's there's a psychological piece there, but I think it's rooted in performance first. Mm-hmm. And the issue with putters comes, I mean, I, and you guys, you have the same situation. Not everyone gets to putt with every putter in existence to spend 10 years and finally figuring out that if they have a blade, they should always have a flow neck and not a plumber's neck, but you can also then get away with the long plumbers, you know, blah, 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 putter design. Most people go, oh yeah, I need a putter. Look at that one. It's on sale or, or they've heard of ping and then they get a putter and they're mad that it doesn't make the sound. Yeah. <laughs> there might be more pop guys now who knows if you can do an adele fitting or if any fitting in that case and if you're truly just trial and erroring your way through the putter corral for someone to point you in the right direction and say this is how you swing this is where you should be gripping the putter the other crazy piece i don't know if it'll show up is i actually have the round putter yeah, grip yeah. on here i was going to ask you about that if you went with the round one or the the uh I did. I went with it primarily because it's an Adele thing. And so if I'm doing an Adele fitting, I'm like, just, you know, hit me with the the lot. But also the whole fitting was done with the round grip. And uh, I'm a sucker for smart people saying smart things. And and David is, he's a smart dude. And he was, he had data that showed that if you have a round grip where your hands aren't searching for those normal seams, that you're going to focus more on aligning the head than you are about aligning the grip to your hands. You may be fine with your grip on the putter that you've bought and been playing for five years, but as soon as you go to re-grip it, all of a sudden they put the exact same grip on and it's one degree off from where it was before. You're never going to make another putt in your life because you're you're trained on indexing with the grip and not indexing with the head. Oh. So that's the, the idea there. And be it drinking the Kool-Aid or whatever, this putter has is, is been in the bag for, I don't know, four or five rounds now, which... Is that a record? It's it's pretty close, especially in the summer when I just have a you know, rack full of stuff behind me. I'm like, oh, I want to play that. Oh, I'm going to play that. And it's it's honestly kind of irritating that I've got one putter that's working so well. It's like Tony. It's like Tony and driver shafts. Like, you know, once, yeah, yeah, shafts. I was going to say, I don't mess with the driver. Well, Dave, instead of mailbag this week, I wanted to 
dig into everything that you've seen in my golf spot since you started um, writing for us 10 years ago. It's going to be a long episode. Well, okay, maybe not everything. The best things. You mentioned uh, the rack of putters behind you, but I want to know about some of the craziest, wackiest, weirdest things that you've seen in in putters or just in my golf spot in general. Yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, to think it's been 10 years, every time that rolls into my head, I feel old. My favorite thing ever, and it'll, it'll always be my favorite thing ever, is I did a project with Callaway for dropping strokes, working with an instructor, and basically they agreed mm-hmm. to give a set of junior clubs to our local first tee for every handicap point I could drop. And you know, I was a hack, I'm still a hack, but ended up dropping like seven strokes. There's pictures floating around the forum of me holding up all these bags of junior clubs that I got to deliver to the first tee, and they just were able to give to kids. That's and awesome. that, I think, is, is probably going to be the favorite memory. But going to Ping and getting fit on Ping's amazing putter-fitting monolith, <laughs> it's, <laughs> that was astounding. I think it's like this giant granite slab basically anchored to the core of the earth. <laughs> built, they built that slab before they built the rest of the building because they wanted to make sure that it was completely flat and never moving. It was, I mean, at least that's how I remember it. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... That would make sense. Putter-wise, there's been so many crazy things. What jumps into my head first, and it's one that I haven't had much experience with, is the like the directed force putter or lab golf or whatever it's called these days. It looks like a playing card club where it's that little. Yeah, it's a lot going on. And I, I think that, again, I've not had much experience with it personally, but I love that it exists. That's what I think got me into putters. Um, and it was probably, if, if I'm going to pinpoint where the, the hooks came in, it was well before a golf spy. It was actually Byron Morgan putters on oh. putter talk in way back when and looking what he was making and just saying, wait a minute, you can have a twisted neck. There's a long neck. I can get this in copper. The, the corner over there has got the, <laughs> the wall hangers. Can you give us like a 360? Are there putters everywhere? Uh, it's a little. So we got past the Funkos. Then there's some more hanging up over there. <laughs> and then and there's more over there. So you don't actually put a car in your garage? No, it's a 1947 house. We could only put like three quarters of a car in the garage. (laughs) How did you um, become our April fool's guy? I don't know. I was trying to think what the first one was and it might've been the Titleist driver where Adam did all the mock-ups. The Scotty Cameron driver. Yeah. Yeah. The Scotty. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) With the design by Tiger Woods shaft and all that kind of stuff. And then the, the PXG, the gold irons, right? Yeah. The 24 K. Yeah. That I, and what's funny about that one is I feel like as over the top as it was that we actually <laughs> dialed some things back. It might have been Tony yeah, saying we couldn't, we couldn't have baby harp seal grips. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think PXG got a lot of inquiries about those clubs um, when, when you did that, when we did that article. Yeah. Well, they were at the time being nothing but apex predator pricing. Yeah. If they could have. <laughs> got gold heads out in time and slapped a premium on them, I think it would have worked. Chris, is it is it Hanma that makes yeah. gold heads? Yeah, their whole Beres line, they have the star line, one, two, three, four, and they have the, you know, I call them, it's like the diamond encrusted, you know, gold Platinum plated. inlay. Yeah, I mean, where you can spend, you know, five figures, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars on a set of irons. And yeah, that form and function conversation where, where the form has uh, 
significantly outweigh the function of it. But yeah, they're they're out there. The April Fool stuff is fun. It's funny that people get offended. My favorite thing for this year was that people who use iron <laughs> covers were mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and I've got a buddy that the, the picture that's in there, I, I think it was during that uh, No Putts Given, that one of you said that it was my bag that had the blue iron covers on it. <laughs> and that uh, that's actually my buddy's bag. So he bought <laughs> new Mizuno irons and he put these blue covers on it. And he's he loves blue. That's his thing. And I just went, hey, let me let me take a picture of your bag. Why do you need that? Oh, no, don't worry. No reason. No reason at all. <laughs> as long as you're still buddies, everything's cool, right? Oh, it's good. Yeah, we we play together every Sunday and have for a decade. So there you go. The amount yeah. of trash talking, that's that's nothing compared to what's happened. All right, Dave. Well, thank you so much for being on and updating us on the Cobra putters and giving us a sneak peek into an Adele fitting. I will link that article here. It comes out on Friday, so we don't have it for you yet. But that's some really great inside information. And um, I hope this is not your last time on No Putts Given because now I think you can be a regular panelist anytime we talk about putters. Yeah, that'd be fun. Thank you for having me on. I can yeah, get back into the garage just about whenever. Perfect. All right. Well, that's about it for today's episode. Uh, like I said, take a look at, at Dave's Adele fitting article. Uh, we'll link it for you when it's available. Until next time, we out.